0: Hello once again, we're back, this is How to Pakistan, and I have none other than the inimitable and uh, the very dapper Musharraf Zedi. he's got a Pakistan flag on his lapel today.
1: You know what's funny, I, I got this uh, lapel for some event where I felt like I needed to represent, and uh, I haven't taken it off since. But couldn't you do it with your words? And my deeds. And your deeds. Yeah, I, like the, I like the flag, too. By the way, this is pretty cool, actually. Um, uh, my day job is I work for a, an education campaign. As yeah. Fussy knows, but not everybody listening would know. Uh, the campaign's called Alif Elan. Yeah. And for the last couple of years, we've been working with a bunch of private sector organizations that are interested in promoting math and science in, in education in Pakistan. So we have this alliance and we have a few really cool members, like proper tech companies, banks, you know. Yeah. Organizations that don't normally associate or you would not normally associate with, like, education as a a public policy challenge. And um, so one of them came over for one of our events. We were sending off the Pakistan youth team to the International Science Olympiad.
0: And they did really well. Yeah, they you, got yeah. second
1: position. Yeah, yeah. so we Congrats. so so at the Alan campaign has been working with them and you know kind of supporting them, whatever to the extent we can. And when he was here, he gave me this this uh, this lapel, which I took off for Fussy's benefit. I don't know if the listeners can hear this, but did you hear it's a little? It's magnetized. Thing? It's it's there's no pin. It's not
0: a. It's oh, not a pin. that is really cool. It's a cool. magnet. Okay. And so I'm
1: playing this repeatedly. Now I get it. So,
0: so you put the magnet behind the hell exactly. and exactly. then this in front. Yeah. Okay. And
1: this was given to me by a wonderful man and a great Pakistani. Um, and uh, I I don't know if I should out him because he's a private kind of a guy, but he's the CEO of a big tech company. Uh, really, sort of fascinating life story, and and he just you know he just handed it to me. I'll ask permission, and in the next episode, okay, yeah, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, Yeah. he's 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 a cool guy, Um, and uh,
0: so that's the story of uh, of the lapel pin, the Pakistani flag lapel pin. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. So um, we're just gonna start off um, just before recording sort of asked, uh, I was discussing something, so he asked me to explain something. So well, I asked, to to right? <laughs> I asked him to stop. Right, I asked him to stop
1: talking because you know I don't like it when Fussy talks. You know, <laughs> Actually, you have to. So we were talking about different politicians, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, and Fussy used a couple of Bashto words, and um, I thought. Those were words that everybody should learn. So you got to do this slow, and you got to really enunciate, because I want people to be able to use these words. Okay. Like I'm going to use them, like on TV. Yeah. I might even use them, like while I'm writing. I might tweet them out. I, like, I love both these words. Yeah. So so hit it.
0: Okay. So um, when you describe in Pashto, I'll just predicate by saying this: one of the things that I enjoy about Pashto, which I don't think sometimes is highlighted enough, is that the language has this. Earthy way of describing things that have that serve a great deal of you know, it's just extreme, lots of brevity, and it just captures it. And there are these two phrases which uh, you know, I've uh, seen my family use a lot, but I've often found that um, they are extremely adept at identifying certain traits. So, one of the things is that if you're talking about somebody um, who is very, you know, he's he goes with the flow, will compromise, will do anything and anything to just suddenly go, get ahead for himself we say that Aga spuk, de. spuk means he's light, right there's nothing to him that the substance is devoid so you say spuk saray de. saray means man right, so spuk, de, yeah, spuk khazada, which means is very light, and again that also refers to they are so devoid of substance that the language that they employ is so loose and vulgar so it's got a very broad range of behaviors it can capture and i think it's also very vivid from you know just the visual spectrum you just think of somebody who's just hollowed out on the inside the other one which i really like is a pashto phrase which describes a person of substance and that is drun Sarede, which means drun means heavy. Now, the beauty of this is that what it really means is a person who doesn't respond to the external environment, who doesn't respond to opportunities, isn't opportunistic, and who is driven primarily by the inside, who's got so much in him that he or she is heavy. And that's why we say that that you know that this person is that person and is driven by compunctions from within. So I was really fascinated when you used
1: this term and, and, and I asked you to stop and explain it to to our friends and listeners for a very specific reason. Because, you know, we associate the kind of ascetic tradition that, that is part of what, you know, I think being Pakistani is about. I hate using the word Sufism because it's come to mean yeah. like Junoon concerts, which, yes. I, you know, or, or, or getting high, which is yeah. not what Sufism is. Yeah. Uh, nothing against at least Junoon concerts, <laughs> separate debate, yeah. the other stuff. Um, I know it's, you know, uh-huh. there, there are some strong wh- wh- views.
0: What do you got against the Rastas of Islam, man?
1: Haram. Okay. That's Haram. So, so that's my only, my only thing is if it's, if it's straight up like, you know, yeah. the Khamr, which is an, an, in, in, an intoxicant, then, then it's no go. Okay. Which is partly why I stopped smoking, uh, you know and i haven't had one coming up on march 1st is my inshallah my 10 year anniversary oh congrats man since i have had a puff of smoke so okay um and it's also related because for me that's a very light form of it but any addiction is is uh, is a barrier to spiritual enlightenment rather yeah. than a vehicle for it that's my own the, that's the, my own four science.
0: different forms of coffee and the filter paper on the desk I will hold you to account that you got to quit that soon, too. Well, if I'm having one cup of coffee a day, is that is that a... Are you really having one cup? <laughs> you can ask. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Okay, all right. You can ask all right. anybody. Yeah, 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 Like, ask me. Are you having one cup of Just coffee? Just one cup.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but of course, we yeah. all have addictions that are... I mean, social
0: media is an easy one, right? Okay, I have to say one thing. I'm going to interrupt here, right? One of the things that you do, which I find deeply suspicious... And this is gonna sound really odd, but any Pakistani who's ever told me that he understands opera or drinks their coffee black, I'm saying that no way these guys uh, are Pakistani. Wait, black coffee just... black coffee <laughs> is a marker of not being from the soil. You know, that and the, opera. The me, me, Urdu speaking. I ain't never said that to you, but,
1: but on the first, you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a struggle for, you know, Urdu speaking, you know, offspring of people who migrated to this country yeah. to feel like they're a part of this country yeah. and to feel like they belong to So this why spot. can't
0: you drink tea like and, the rest and, of us? <laughs> and then you come into
1: you come into this podcast and you accuse me. <laughs> it's uh
0: it's, my, I don't heart know. Is, it's my heart weird. is broken, I'm gonna need to listen. <laughs> some opera <laughs> <laughs> it's this weird hang up I have I've often I don't know why I think this like yeah, yeah. how is this possible where did you learn this so, hey, listen, you
1: know, I'm team black and you're team whatever you want to call that stuff, but it's not coffee. It's uh-huh. like milk with, with some flavoring in it, which is what you guys have. You know, this whole concept like a latte. Mm. That's, not co- <laughs> that's not coffee, bro. Like, that's like, mm, 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 like it's do do right? Yeah. <laughs> right you know? I mean, which is cool, whatever. Like, I mean, you know, if you have bought into the myth and the fiction of uh, the dairy industry, that... That's your problem.
0: You're turning it on me now. economy economy No, no, you know,
1: when I start this with with my Punjabi friends, they start about how Lassi is like an integral part of their culture, and Uh this is really just a, a, a refusal to accept, you know, the wider sort of, you know, fundamentals and pillars of Punjabi culture. So I'm sure there's a... Pashtun version of this as well. Well,
0: there is there is one, and I'll just quickly be, I'll get back to what you were saying, which is that in Peshawar University when we were there, there's a place called Charamsad, which is between the. Charamsad really, is where. where it's the, a weird name, right? Is, is it where like the boys and girls would get together, or like what? No, actually, uh, mo- only the boys would go because it wasn't really well built at that time. No comment. Yeah, <laughs> 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 but there they used to serve what we call desi beer. It was lassi salted, made in a way that you drank one, and that's it. You had to take a seat, right? There was no intoxicant, whatever, but it was just the best fermented, uh, Fermented yogurt drink. Yeah, whatever it was, it was amazing. And we loved also just saying, let's go to Sharam Sar.
1: Yeah.
0: What a name. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Sharam yeah. is a he- heck of a name. And so just come back
1: to these words, these yeah. beautiful words. So spuck is for lightweight and drun spuck saride 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 yeah spuck saride yeah and drun drun saride drun saride so i find these words fascinating and and what i was going to comment on was for especially for drun saride what it's essentially what i've understood from your description of the word is it's really capturing uh, Kind of a a spiritual contentment and rootedness, yeah right, and what I was commenting on was that usually we associate spirituality with the plains of Sindh and Punjab, and a lot of people don't know how sort of locked in and spiritual Pashtuns are, right yeah, um, but there's a long tradition of very specifically Sufi poetry and uh you know. I mean lots of Pashtun Malangs uh, but they aren't as celebrated or maybe as widely known yeah. widely there's there's not as much of a cultural uh, appreciation or recognition of of that aspect of Pashtun culture because partly because of the dominance of, of the other cultures and, yeah. and their perception of Pashtun culture but but uh, i'm always it's always really reaffirming to me the coherence of pakistan as an idea as a geographical space where people of similar spiritual origin exist right that yeah. find a punjabi like even in the punjab you know every 20 25 miles there's a slight tweak in the accent and you know i mean it's a very diverse province yeah. actually and and a lot i mean very similar to you know uh, kp and, and 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 the rest of the country but one thing that is really a thread that runs through all four provinces and all of our ethnicities is kind of a pretty coherent and I would say what, what represents to me a critical mass of a long and deep spiritual tradition and in a sense is an acknowledgement the fact that that word exists kind of to me means it's it's really deeply embedded yeah. within the culture I'll tell
0: you one other thing
1: it like does. if I try I to, to find like an equivalent in English right yeah. like banda jo andar se or bahar ki distractions Usko bother na right that uh-huh. type yeah. of thing yeah whoa like that's a struggle right it's like a, I, I don't really know where to start to, with yeah. with like a one word adjective yeah. uh, or even adverb you wouldn't actually put an adverb there really just yeah. an adjective right yeah disc- you know, descriptor for that person or that state of being yeah. or that state of mind, but the fact that durun Saride exists yeah. is, is is it's interesting.
0: I mean, one of the things that I also see as a supplement to that, and this is again just from things I've seen, so, is that also, you know, when you recognize somebody for that, it also gives them space to be, uh, Cookie. And exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So that's a perfect way to describe it. So, um, one of the things that I, I mean, I I feel that it's ebbed away because you know the province has been under a sustained attack. But um, at least twenty years ago, you know, you could have. It used to be fascinating in Peshawar University. The Jamatis would send, sit with the atheist Marxists, and you know, and there was a recognition of all between themselves that you know they thought at some level that the even though they absolutely hated yeah. what he believed in. And that, like you say, that when when you recognize this particular um, aspect of a person or sort of a legitimization of who that person is, then there is more space for... and basically cohabitating with what they may believe in, which is different. So I've often found that to be a really fascinating little tidbit. Now, we got to the
1: conversation about... Drunseride and Spaksuride, yeah. based on, and just to clarify for listeners, so, uh, people, yeah, I guess these are these are antonyms of each other, right? Yeah. The kind of person who is very light, uh, responds to everything, can be manipulated, uh, has weak character essentially. Yeah. That's Spaksuride, yeah. and then somebody with sort of thick. Uh, with a thick moral compass, uh, or rather a sharp moral compass, but you know, a thickness of skin yeah. um, and a constancy and consistency, yeah, um, in in the most positive way, that would be Durruti. Yes. So we got to this because we were talking about various political personalities, and we were talking about personalities within the realm of the wider culture. Yeah. Um, and we got to the culture because we were talking about what's going to happen after the twenty eighteen election. Yeah. And, of course, I think there's legitimate fears that whatever the outcome is, it's likely to be an outcome in which nobody's very happy and everybody's a little happy. Yeah. But the little happy will be restricted to the elite. And <laughs> most party workers, especially the most passionate ones, yeah. are not going to feel any great sense of satisfaction. I agree. Um, I think that holds true for all the parties, actually. not yeah. just. I mean, So I think MQM of is going to be very upset yeah. with the way in which... Either legitimately, like either by hook or by crook, but they're not going to have the same power that a united, you know, MQN used to have, Absolutely. As, as recently as twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. Yeah. Uh, the PMLN, of course, I think, is being uh, uh, ripped apart at the seams by the conflict within the family. Yeah. Notwithstanding all the other burdens that it must bear. Yeah. And notwithstanding all the other advantages it has as an incumbent that's yeah. actually delivered a fundamental change. Yeah. In the quantum of electricity in the country improved infrastructure i mean lots of failures as well yeah. but but a number of successes that are that are yeah. pretty significant and despite all that i think the Maryam versus shaba sharif sort of dynamic yeah. uh, is really going to hurt the party uh, operationally and tactically absolutely um, even if they figure that out it'll continue to blemish and burden yeah. and, and not having a single leader in that party, yeah. is really going to be problematic. And then, of course, you know, the party that we're all scared of talking about because, you know, we'll be, uh, you, know, we'll be you know, we'll be guilty of... Well, no matter Treason. what you say about, yeah. you know, about about the party that must not be named. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm... Voldemortians. <laughs> I mean, I, I just... If these guys don't win, like if Khan isn't, like, you know, 140 seats, like, straight-up prime minister... Yeah. I, I I like I I worry about the emotional and 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 psychological well being of uh, of many of its supporters.
0: Yeah, no no I agree. I I mean I'll just add one more thing. I think one interesting thing that would also happen post twenty eighteen is that uh, no matter how you look at it, you know the PMLN will have a reduced showing. And I just find it interesting is that once the torch has been passed to Sheba's. You'll find that the people within the family, say the Mariam camp, will also use it as an example to show that once the torch was passed, the showing has also been reduced, even though that showing's reduction is based on multiple factors outside of that. Again, when it comes to the PTI also is that when you talk to most of them, it's interesting that, you know, I, I have a friend who did an analysis from the 2013 election and showed and, you know, they just weren't competitive in so many places. And there's a lot of evidence that their game in the Punjab or Karachi elsewhere hasn't really picked up. Even though, I have to say, the one thing that they're doing right is that the pace at which they're going out, Imran Khan, in jalsas and whatever, is one way of at least energizing the base. Oh, yeah. If, I mean, even, even if the base doesn't show up, like, in Lahore. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it doesn't show up in Lahore. And um, so... That's interesting because one other thing that I was mentioning is that this piece of research came out about the police in Lahore, and what I was saying is that you know the police is universally pretty much hated, especially in the Punjab and uh, Karachi. But um, what what they showed is that it was hated much more than in countries which had much higher, like twice, uh, high crime rates. Uh, in other right, so it also shows that this degree one is this unbounded uh, demand from the system and expectation, and number two is that uh, this belief that you know one cannot even acknowledge anything that may have gone right or wrong elsewhere. So you're absolutely right. What what is the post 2018 election mood, uh, whichever government comes into play, is going to have significant problems because. If the PTI doesn't win again, we saw in 2013 where they didn't have a, sta- a leg to stand on, how far that allegation went and what it, uh, effect it had. Number two is again, you know, uh, with the PMLN, there's uh, obviously an issue in what how they'll perform and what that will also mean because it doesn't mean they'll be unified no, in that same not.
1: strain in 2018. No, no, and the end part of PMLN has certainly demonstrated that it will not hesitate to basically put. National security on the line, in order yeah. to make a point about the importance of the end. Yeah, I mean, it really is a remarkable thing. I'm not suggesting other parties aren't as bad, but the demonstrable, uh, you know, evidence for that level of myopia and and selfishness is only really
0: uh, so Nawaz Sharif has been the yeah. one that's. Really so this is really interesting. Like, exemp-
1: I, yeah, he's exemplified that that myopia.
0: So I, I've I've said this for some time, and I've felt this uh, quite strongly is that it's interesting how far Nawaz Sharif played the pushback game, which is pushback was also necessary because, you know, any uh, institution which is not premised on, you know, a direct vote cannot actually be controlling the national uh, interest in the way it does and when it comes to politics. But I had the same fears, like, don't push it over the ledge. There was an accommodation that it was arrived at, uh, not a very clear accommodation. One that uh, allowed for the passing of the torch, and essentially a sunset clause that if you could retire gracefully. And so, that'd be great. yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd right? be great if you just if you just just walk away. <laughs> and and the point being there is that if you did now, I do see the purists, and I see that argument. It's like, why should someone have to do that, right? But let's... Uh, unless we're not well, living in Pakistan, right? No,
1: no, but it's also if you're not living in the real world. Yeah. Why should somebody have to do that? I mean, there's a, mul- there's a whole multitude of reasons. You mismanage the relationship with the military and you assume that the judiciary should be an instrument for your... Uh, basically, for your empire and yeah. right, for your bachat. And actually, at one level, I think it speaks to the dynamism and the internal strength of our institutions that despite in some ways uh, as my own view and I think it's reasonably controversial but I I don't think Nawaz Sharif beyond a certain point felt that he could tolerate being undermined by the army in the way that he was and so I I think he was happy to undermine the army as well. That's not a fight you're going to win ever. So so I think you have to manage the army differently than he tried to Um, he was mistreated? No no question. When you have running you know, people running ops like Modi Gayad, uh and, yeah. and that whole sort of narrative, which I still believe fundamentally is untrue, um it just it's not it's not right. You know, you can't have that in a democracy. But what you also can have is in this kind of an institutional environment, is being prepared to basically flamethrow everything. Yeah. Now the other really interesting a- aspect of this is that in a sense, the judiciary knocked back the parliament or, you know, executive power or the will of the people. And to that extent, you know, it was slightly unfair. But if you look at the conduct of the PMLN in the run-up to this decision and how they fought this case and what they said about the Panama case and how they responded to these, to these challenges, uh, there was not one day from April 2016 to July twenty eighth, uh, 2017. I think April 3rd was the day the Panama Papers came out in 2016, and then a year and a few months later, he was disqualified. At no point did any of his conduct or his daughter's conduct suggest that there was any effort or any recognition that this was a problem that needed to be solved. And so whilst the actual decision was unfair, the, the bed that, that he's now sleeping in was made by him not by yeah. not by like it wasn't some ISI freak show that produced the panama papers and the suggestion that supreme court judges receive instructions on what to do in, in any case they may receive instru- uh, they may receive suggestions uh, they may even be threatened or whatever but i really don't believe that you can that you can basically bulldoze the supreme court of pakistan now it just so happens that I think more and more it's obvious that the Supreme Court is led by somebody who I think is really interested <laughs> in, I Problematic, I know, in yes. hosting their own podcast, right? Yes. Like they really, they have yeah. a lot of strong opinions and yeah. they want to fix Pakistan, which sounds like at least one of us. Yes. Right? Um,
0: and uh, but, but you're the chief justice of the country and you can't be going around. So, so that's what I wanted to say. I agree absolutely. And I've heard you on television as well saying this. One of the key things is like, so we've got the political issue that comes in the run-up to 2018 elections and post-2018 elections, neither are looking like a rosy bed of roses. And I found this interesting thing that Nawaz Sharif once said to the BBC. And he said, why, and it's basically essentially speaking to maybe you and me right now when we were saying, is like, dude, you got to be a little responsible, right? We don't live in la-la land right? So, yes, fight back, but you've got to do it within this ambit because you could push things over the edge. And you know what he said to the reporter? He said, why is it that the pressure is only on me to be responsible? Now, that's interesting, and partly that pressure is there because you're the prime minister. Uh, you know, uh, Theoretically, at least, the buck stops with you, and some of the things, obviously, you're responsible for, even creating and perpetuating and exacerbating. But... The interesting thing, I think, also that going into 2018 that we're seeing right now is the unchecked institutional sort of growth, ambivalence, ambit. Let me explain one thing. Like Now, when you talk about the judiciary, it's hugely concerning that you see uh, effectively the chief justice doing the function of a DC. Hey, let me go visit a hospital. Let me And a PRO. And a PRO, right? And I'm going to be talking about... Should we this, tell people
1: what DC and PRO are? Because yeah. a lot of our listeners won't know what a they District
0: are. Commissioner is sort of the person who looks overall after all the components of government. County in the Executive. County Executive. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. And PRO is Public Relations Officer. <laughs> and, and no, but it's interesting because now, you know, you look at the kind of speeches that are coming out because you're expecting also a certain gravitas from the office of the Supreme Court. And it shouldn't be talking about Baba Ramete and a number of things like that. I personally see that at least now some of the senior judges have very starkly different judicial interpretations. We've seen that in the Hodebia case, which is like a big question mark which goes on the proceedings that went before it. The second is also like you look at how the army's role has expanded, in particular how it relates to the public, right? This whole thing of policy announcement, policy in process announcement by tweets. Um, I mean, I found it very interesting that, you know, the chief of army staff went to his native village and announced a stadium for them, right? Now, this particular, I think... The key issue is that now that we're going into 2018, we're finding that we've got definitely a lot of exacerbation of differences. At the same time, we've got a mushroom growth of what everyone thinks their responsibilities are. And what we need to be doing is, I think we're going to see further increases in these problems, whereas what we need to do is curb the remit. So you're not going to
1: like my response to this, Sure. The reason that Nawaz Sharif has to be the one that's more responsible, is that he's the only one of these institutions and individuals who's been elected three times as prime minister. This country has vested its trust and it has honored and blessed him with the opportunity to serve and build this country. And as I always say, he's done some really great things. He has built up the country. Yeah. And not just in infrastructure, but institutionally. Yeah. This Supreme Court is this independent and this free Partly on the back of Nawaz Sharif's behavior between 2008 and 2013, so bravo to him on the good stuff, but you don't. It's not like it's not grade school, right? Like you can't just get a tapi, you know, shabashi, for the for the for the stuff you did well, and really really screw up the stuff that you're supposed to do well. India Kashmir, you know, Ufa. Uh, NSA meetings, uh, you know the relationship with the SEAL tycoon, uh, a whole a whole host of questions on national security. Uh, why Don Leaks ended up being as big as it was? Why the Dharna wasn't managed better than it was? Uh, why, you know, the first operation in June 2014, when when it began? That began in June 2014, not after APS Yeah, a lot of people don't know this. Yeah, um, so why, why? Why did he not, not have any input in, in the June 2014 start, right? And there's a whole... And then it's funny that PMLN takes credit for, like, the war on terror, which is the most hilarious thing ever, because all the majors and colonels that are running these WhatsApp groups and hating on Sharif, part of their that hatred, they don't say it, and it's not out there, but part of it is really informed by the idea that, hey, it's us and our boys dying in the hills, and then we come on TV and we watch some, you know overweight sort of, you know, two-bit, you know, sort of politician who couldn't run, you know, half a furlong, what to say of, you know, climb a mountain and kill enemy combatants, taking credit for beating the bad guys, right? Like, there's a whole, there's a lot of animus. And all of this is the responsibility of the by virtue of being the third time elected prime minister. And the reason you're scared and the reason I'm scared about what's going to happen this year is that we have three institutions that are roughly balancing each other out, you know, give or take, you know, a few degrees here or there uh, in certain areas. Certainly the army is uh, dominating foreign policy and national security more than it should. Uh, And certainly it's saying too many things. Like, it just doesn't need to talk that much, right? Either from private Twitter accounts or from official ones. You just need to... Just go back and just do your job, right? You don't, you don't yeah. need to be like a PR agency. Yeah. There's others out there whose job it is to yeah. self-promote, yeah. like politicians. Yes. So let them do their job. Yeah. And certainly the chief justice, too many speeches and too much content. Yeah. But part of the reason that they're acting like this is the vacuum that's been left by the political leadership. If you look at political leadership in Pakistan today, there's a real crisis, and part of the crisis is the beheading of the PMLN. Yeah. Without, He didn't say much when he was prime minister, but at least the PMLN, as the single largest party, was a coherent and unified entity. And I think that the fact that that's been compromised, and you saw this just just the other day with Chaudhry Nassar and Etizaz, uh sorry, not Etazaz, Iqbal and Chaudhry Nassar going at each other, as they used to when they were both in the cabinet. Now Chaudhry Saab has no... Compunctions because he's not in the cabinet. And this is like a... I mean, I think that this is a dangerous time for Pakistan. Um, I think Pakistan's enemies are licking their lips. I don't think anybody's really interested uh, institutionally in Pakistan right now. Everybody's interested in them uh, and their institutions at best. And that, in an election year,
0: God knows what, what that could produce. There was a phrase you once, I think... Uh I think you actually coined it. It was a piece you did many years ago uh, for the foreign policy, which I found really funny, on the world's oldest teenager, (laughs) right? So at that time, we used to think it was only Imran Khan. I actually think it's a viral disease. Yeah. It has everybody's behaving in this particular fashion. We often say to young kids 14, 15, like, look, you don't know how to use social media. Don't overshare and, you know, now we're just talking to grade 22 put, officers put your, and put and, away. Yeah, 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 right, and it, it's, it's, it's making things far worse, and institutions by the way, clash the world over, those clashes happen in boardrooms, yeah, in under Chatham House rules or under, uh, you know, non-minuted meetings where policy and process is worked upon in that particular fashion I, uh, I, I I also find it interesting that so, I do agree with a lot of this. I I do although I do have this thing that, um, some of the policy prescriptions he took out in the early part of his premiership, which uh, got him an antagonized relationship with the military, and a severe pushback, which has also severely constrained him. Whether it was choosing to do the Musharraf trial, um, whether it was you know announcing, that he intended to do trade with India. Uh, a number of other things. So I think that is a mitigating thing, but one other thing coming into it is I find something that I've changed my mind on. Um, You tease me about this quite often, is like in 2013 I voted PTI, and... A number of my friends listen, yeah. you have a guilty conscience that 's not my problem I've teased you once about it <laughs> no, but it's interesting like so one thing have you been able to look in the mirror like <laughs> so one of the things I did believe in um, and i I think Trump taught me that recently is I thought, okay, no matter how bad electioneering is, you know people. Come back to what would be their de facto position, which is not for public consumption, which is there in the interest of actually having a degree of accommodation to run things properly. And I've seen that no, actually it doesn't. And one of the things that I fear now is some of the things and the degree to which Imran Khan has compromised, you know, recently, whether it's on the blasphemy issue, whether it was on taking advantage of post-Fezabad, you know, which should have been a call for unity, no matter how much you hate the government, that, because that's a problem whoever comes in next is also going to deal with. I also think one of the big issues... No, but it's, it's a typical,
1: again, it's a sign of really poor leadership, right? At a national level. It's not, it's not one or the other. I mean, we have a real leadership crisis in this country because instead of standing together on certain issues, there's literally nothing... That and is an issue of to, consensus. Yeah, yeah. And I that's a remarkable, remarkable
0: crisis, right? Yeah. Um, I actually find. Um, I mean, one of the things that I also wanted to talk about is I find. So we were talking about Spock and Drun, Sari, yeah, like, you know, in this Zainab case, right, where we're seeing an epidemic, not for the first time, two years later. I just seen like, you know, like the whole field, the pantheon of leaders are proving to be extremely spuck. In the sense that it's so interesting that the whole conversation around the Zaneb case is in which egregious form of public decapitation do we want for the criminal, not that how do we prevent it in the future? Now, I don't have a problem with capital punishment. So that's not my issue. My
1: you know, you were supposed to be the fuzzy sort of, you know, lib on the on the podcast. And yeah. now that you and I both don't have a uh, huge problem, I mean, I understand the arguments against it, and I'm quite empathetic to the arguments. But I, I also yeah. think states need to demonstrate a certain ruthlessness when it comes to certain crimes.
0: So, so actually you've captured my position as well. Like I, um, a lot of my friends who are very committed, and this is something that even defines them, when I hear the intellectual arguments, I they actually make sense to yeah. me. There's something about... Would, would, the best way to say... It, right? yeah, yeah. I, I just think some people deserve it. Yeah. I also think that um, the argument that, you know, the system is so broken that it is an re- irreversible injustice if there is a miscarriage of yep. justice. That's absolutely true. And and I'm sure it's happened quite a bit. Uh, I, I just think that there are also those... Examples of cases where we've seen that the overwhelming uh, mountain of evidence is so irrefutable, uh, and also that you know uh, it's uh, so. I don't have an issue with it in that respect. I just think we're in a tough spot. Maybe it's something I would regret in the future. Um, but but the the whole problem is like right now. Like I I find it really interesting. You you know that. Uh, child abuse is an issue there are two things here, child abuse is an issue worldwide, we're not unique to it the other part of this is is that uh, if you want to my, my problem with capital punishment though is is how you frame the argument you say this is a deterrence, we know for a fact it is not a deterrent what is a, determined, a deterrent is whatever the law is, it's applied exactly, right? right? that is a deterrent and, and it wasn't. You, uh, yeah. And it wasn't in
1: 2015 exactly. when this case happened. There was, there was no real follow-up. And uh, of course, we can have different views about why that happened. But I'm absolutely convinced that if you don't open that up, yeah, and you explore, at a minimum, why there wasn't closure, and why things didn't improve in Kasud as a result of that, of that crisis yeah that fiasco that, that those revelations that whole incident then you're almost hardwiring this into your system you're yes. basically saying to pedophiles child pornographers rapists and murderers that this category of this sin is not so bad that we would actually come after you It's just bad enough for us to see a bunch of things on television and pretend to be concerned about it. Yeah. Catching the killer and hanging him is really not a... It's not a systems response. Yeah. See what I'm saying? How many debates have you seen about school-to-home distances for middle school girls? Because, by the way, the data will tell you that that is a red flag. Yeah. Because the percentage of primary schools to non-primary, meaning middle and above, is 8 to 2. For every 100 school government schools in Pakistan, 80 of them are primary schools, and 20 of them are middle and high, high schools and higher, higher yeah. secondary schools. What does that mean? It means that the catchment areas for schools that girls can go to at the mid-level, at grade 5 and above,
0: are going to be further apart. It's, going to be, it's yeah. going to
1: be further than the primary school that we're going to, except yeah. in very, very limited cases. Yeah. As soon as you increase... And I specifically focus on girls because there is a cultural context to where we are, and where yeah. we live, and the country we're talking about. Although boys, by the way, are just as vulnerable to child sexual abuse and exploitation yeah. as girls are. But, but for a culture like ours, the fact that we're not talking about school-to-home distances is telling it means that we're not concerned about child protection or child welfare we're concerned about the specific case and how it made us feel for a variety of reasons some of it could just be humanitarian but there's a whole a whole infrastructure of politics that's been that's used this incident as a currency uh, yeah on all fronts yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah not just on one on all fronts and and I think that we are not serious as a, as a country. I, I wanted to do a couple of things because since we are talking about the Kasud incident, I wanted to share at least two or three pieces and we'll, we'll add them to the, to the link for the, for the yeah. podcast as well. But I thought that Christopher Cork and Valerie Khan wrote a phenomenal piece on this uh, on the 13th of January for the Express Tribune.
0: Right.
1: Uh, and I thought that um, Khura Musan wrote a phenomenal piece on vengeance is not justice Yeah, um, Benazir Shah wrote a really good piece today also right and then there's yeah. another longer piece in Dawn yeah. about what's already come back to the marketplace in Kasur and what's yeah. happening uh, I think it was a Sunday edition of Dawn yeah. that had that so I'll we'll dig those up and we'll we'll provide links for
0: those very but, early on I'd also like to add on television Zirar Kodo has done some really uh, you know powerful stuff discussing this. Yeah. I mean, zarar
1: has been on the podcast, is a yeah. friend, and uh, hugely yeah. admired by both of us. Um, I, I do think that there was a rush of emotion that was informing um, all of our reactions for the first few days. And, you know, thank God for human nature, because that rush of emotion has subsided. Yeah. And a lot of us are thinking, I think... Uh,
0: with our brain now rather yeah. than with our hearts so i'll just give you I'll, I, I'll, I'll just think, tell you two three things that i'm thinking right One is that I find it very interesting is that you know if you if you, you can't entirely stop it, but what you can do is you can uh, kids are innocent, you can at least explain ways to potentially protect themselves. that gives you a small modicum of reduction by kids being more aware. What happens invariably, and I saw this in 2015, I see it again today, is that they think that any form of this sort of education, which uh, is, if we call it sex education or whatever, they, they actually think it makes kids horny and they then will wear miniskirts after this and they'll become gay or whatever. And I've, I've seen this on television recently where Oria Mughbul Jaan was actually saying, is like, why did Jack the Ripper kill women? It was as a response to them being Fahash. Now, the interesting thing is that, you know, nobody ever found out who Jack the Ripper was. There were a series of letters, all which are contested. None of them had anything that effectively said this in this way. And the other thing is that most of the women he killed were actually prostitutes. Um, So it wasn't also, I mean, because we've seen how prostitutes are ghettoized separately. It wasn't a larger commentary on something else. but. but the interesting thing is, like, when you say, like, how it's been politicized, and I feel it very strongly this time around. I feel it because there's that girl in KP, uh, really small, uh, if you see her picture Asma, also. Asma, from Mardan, Asma, right? Yeah. It, it also breaks your heart. Uh, there's a story that's come up, you know, on there's WhatsApp. two cases in Karachi. Two cases in Karachi. There's another case in Char Sadda, I think. Yeah, yes. and there was also a case of um, transgender being raped and brutally murdered as well. And then there was a case in Lahore as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so So one of the things is that um, somehow is how the political class has sort of come round because they've made it into an issue. Now, here, one thing I have to say is however the PMLN suffers for this, I'm going to be happy. Right? In 2015, now this is my theory, okay? My theory is that... There was a ring. The ring was connected to somewhere in Scandinavia. It was Norway or whatever. There was some amount of money from the dark red that was being traded. They got, uh, you know, they busted the ring. Some of those guys are out now. The courts have let them through. And what did the PMLN do? Whatever the story is with their, PA, with their MPA in pursuit. Malik, Malik Ahmed Saeed. Malik Ahmed Saeed, right? Whatever the story is with this guy.
1: Whose name, for some, yeah, anyway.
0: Yeah, so Rana Sanaullah. In they meet after You know, whatever And uh, so do I think Like they're involved in this or whatever No, I don't But what I do think is that they thought You know, this might create a few defections A few problems, whatever the political No, but I, I have a problem with yeah. this after the fact analysis
1: yeah. what, I'm, what I've argued I've written about this as well and yeah. I've argued that you can't You have to in- investigate As to why the 2015 thing And it has to be an independent investigation you have to investigate why the twenty fifteen thing did not produce safety and security for the children of Kosud. No, no, like, I, like I, the, I, wait, this wait. is not yeah, a yeah, yeah. complex I, I agree with that. I, we don't as have a, to speculate a, as because as we
0: know there's a there's a massive problem
1: yeah, with the twenty fifteen thing.
0: So things. what I'm talking about is culpability. I'm saying is that if we look at the, even the most charitable way of looking at this that they thought, okay, we've mainly got the problem and let it be so that it doesn't Really screw us up in any kind of defection. Yeah. Even if that the most charitable view is true, it's not. They need to suffer excusable. for this. It's
1: not excusable, right?
0: Because yeah. what has happened subsequently is you've got seven, eight kids who died. That ring or whatever has come back into effect. Seven, eight is what we know. What we know of. God,
1: right? God help yeah. us. Matlab, this is the part that it is it's it's beyond revolting and sickening.
0: And, and then right. the desire to let's manage this okay we've made a royal screw up let's make sure that the pr or the press conference on this is fine yeah sure the police have finally done a good job everyone just full disclosure
1: i don't know if you know this or not yeah. but there's a committee for safeguarding children that was announced the day after
0: yeah
1: um and i i was I was named in that committee.
0: Okay, great, um, great.
1: I haven't been to any of the meetings. they have had two meetings. I, yeah. I wasn't here. I wasn't able to go. Um, but, you know, my, my, I've provided a sort of a one-line input, um, yeah. which, which I've publicly stated and i privately stated, and it is that you have to investigate the 2015 case. Absolutely. If you don't do that independently, yeah. you can't know, uh, and, and nobody can have confidence that there wasn't high-level... Uh, cover that yeah. was being provided to these people. Yeah. So it's to me it's less about you know uh, there, there's an element of needing to be mechanical with this which is that suffer no suffer votes no votes is really yeah. second secondary and tertiary. Yeah. What's principally important is that we find out why and how it happened that with such a massive story in 2015 nothing came out of it and then you've had these this spate of eight or nine new victims in the last few months. And apparently there's been a DNA match between this fellow and the eight previous cases.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you one more thing. I mean, one of the things that has often gotten to me, there was a documentary, I think, in 2013 called Pakistan's Hidden Shame. I don't know if you've seen it. One of the most popular... One of the most... I mean, it gutted me when I saw it, when I saw the children. And this is about K.P. Peshawar. This is about how, you know, when we talk about rent boys, this is actual boys, right? Rent boy boys, a term is used for any age of a certain kind of male prostitution. But here, this is actual boys. But That's, this isn't even
1: prostitution. This is, I've always had this problem with how they describe this, this dopey culture, right? Yeah. Uh, which is, it's not, it is straight on, full-fledged, unexceptionally rape. No, no, that is true. I agree. These are not children, these are not men that are making choices. But
0: for the the interest, uh, I mean, for the interest of making a demarcation between where money is exchanged and where absolutely, you know, you've got a kid, you've taken him off the street and you've kept him in a place for a couple of days and then let him go. I'm just making that distinction here. But that was also, that documentary was aired personally to Imran Khan. And he promised he would do something about it. Also, nothing has happened. Um, When you look at this story that came out, this, uh, this is a story that came out by... I think it was the AP or AFP about abuse that was happening yeah, in Punjab. Such a strong a story. A m- month and a half ago. Yeah, and nothing happened. No, zero nothing. reaction. Zero happened. It was no, no, primarily about you, in the Punjab. Who work, nobody took any interest. People who work on child protection yeah. uh,
1: and on the rights of children have to, have to operate with incredible finesse so as not to offend and not to get in trouble yeah. uh, because there's always a crazy person on television or on social media who will say literally anything for a, a half a point bump in their ratings that night. Yeah. And we've seen another example of that sickening sort of behavior uh, you know, which has further delegitimized the, the coherence and the, and the integrity of the conversation about
0: But well, we've seen two pursuit. examples of it. We've seen Dr. Shahid Masood Right? You've. See, one of the problems is the sums of money that are involved in this. Again, you know, we. For a poor country, you know, you'd imagine. Have you ever seen Austin Powers? (laughs) Right? Right? So when Dr. Evil comes out, right? And when he's holding the whole world, he says, because he's been in freeze for like 30, 40 years, he says, I will hold the whole world. One million dollars. Everybody laughs, right? So then somebody tells me, like, dude, things but we're still not a wealthy country. But everything we talk about is in the billions of dollars, right? And I I don't know what we were thinking about this guy. And, you know, one of the things is that there was a link internationally, but also locally there's this its own economy and also their own deviant urges, you know, that maybe doesn't have anything to do with money. But um, the point I make is... And then you've got this other Newsweek Fasiy Emmet case also, right? Where... Now, let's, again the interesting thing about that is that his opening inexcusable... But if you say, okay, he's saying, like, you know, nobody cares about this, eventually you'll forget, it. I'm tired of this... Fall. Well, Whatever. then say that, man. Then say that, exactly, right? And and number... No, but number two is that if it had stopped there, one would have said, okay, maybe this guy just thought he was smarter than he is, and he's done something. But, but the whole thing about Obama raping you is bad, but everybody wants to be, you know, by Tom Cruise in some of the responses. So I'm just saying is that, again, uh, in terms of now, is that some of the responses that we're looking at, and when we're talking about everybody being the world's oldest teenager, it's, it's just that. You know, if you say, hey, let's get together, should we gouge this guy's eyes out before we shoot him? And then you'll get a million people but you know if it's like no let's make sure this doesn't happen over the next 10 years and it's got some stuff let's discuss how do we put this in the curriculum a bit Pe- seriously people don't want to have that they don't want to talk about that they're not interested yep. and the whole you know uh, politicizing of it so much, the spate of cases yep. it is just I and, and then when we're talking about being you know spako or whatever it is, this is a case in point and it's incredibly depressing because you have a moment where people talk but uh, just taking that one step so that you don't have to talk about it again because you've addressed it is probably the biggest step that we never take
1: and uh, sadly Fassi on this topic given the little bit of experience uh, that I have with this we're not going to absolutely yeah on that uh, dark and depressing note um, we opened uh, this this podcast with a conversation about twenty eighteen. Yeah. Because this is our first uh, effort in, in this new year. So, despite stopping or ending on a on a negative note, obviously we wish everyone uh, a productive and fulfilling and contentment. uh, Inshallah. uh Contentment uh, laden. Uh, yeah. Twenty eighteen. It's going to be a complex and challenging year for our country for Pakistan. But I think uh, it's a big country and inshallah we're going to surprise some people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Alright, see you soon and hope uh, all is well with everyone and continue to be well. Good night.